Apartments.com believes a dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. And listen, we all have our non-negotiables in terms of what we really want when looking for an apartment. I know for me, natural light has always been really important. I just know myself and I am a happier person when I have that natural light throughout the day. And I also told myself that in my next place, I will definitely have a washer and dryer because you just can't beat that convenience. And I know it can be hard to find, but when you find it, I think it is so worth it. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit apartments.com, the place to find a place. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Isabel. And welcome to another episode of Commas by Bravo. Hey, Is. Hi, Em. How are you doing over there? I'm doing okay. I mean, after my revelation about Phaedra Parks, I then got to her final season and sort of how she goes off, which is a little bit sad, but I'm so happy to have Candy on my Atlanta rewatch that it all doesn't matter. I was going to say to you actually that in my opinion, isn't as fully formed as yours because obviously you're doing a full rewatch, but I think in my number one housewife spot of all time, which I know is a massive honor, is maybe Alexia from Miami. Oh yeah. She's a good pick. She just hasn't had enough seasons, I don't think, but she could be around forever. Like if they had kept Miami going from when it started, she would still be here. She would be like up with the Teresa and the Nini of them all. It's icon behavior. Totally. Okay. So we are going to do Summer House, Salt Lake City, Miami, Jersey. How do you feel about that? I feel incredible. <laughs> okay. I loved this episode of Summer House. I think that out of all of the episodes this week, Summer House was in my top spot. I just love how week after week, it feels so authentic. And I think a lot of times, especially recently, we are really caught up in like the housewives drama and it's so over the top. And this last week, this week, the whole season really has felt so intimate and that's so nice to feel. And borderline, some of the conversations are like, wow, I can't believe we got to be here. But that also is like real reality TV. I mean, to that point exactly, obviously last week when Kyle says to Danielle that he feels that the only thing him and Amanda have in common is Loverboy, and we know Danielle tells Paige, we know as we will discuss, that's an entire conversation. I would say in maybe any other Bravo show, there would have been a huge blow up between the equivalent of Kyle and Danielle for the fact that she went and told them. Whereas we almost got to breeze past that here because everybody realized that it was so much bigger than that. I just feel like the common storyline goes, the messenger gets shot and I felt like Amanda would be really defensive and the girls could say until they're blue in the face, we're just coming from a place of love and concern, but it doesn't always end up that the person hearing this information or that the information is about receives it that way. But everyone genuinely did. Like even Kyle, I think knew that these girls just love both of them and is are not trying to tear them apart, but do want them to be happy and want Amanda to be happy. But I mean, the whole way it went down with Kyle just lurking and could feel that the conversation was about him. He knew he fucked up. Yes, but it was even more than that because it wasn't so much about just his behavior in the moment. It was more so like a very honest conversation about the fact that something isn't working. And he may be defensive, but he's not blind to that. No. What really broke my heart was later when it's like kind of a hot mic moment when Amanda and Kyle are having a conversation in their bathroom and she's like, I just want everyone to feel happy for us. And that wasn't a dig against her friends. It was a realization of the energy and sort of the front that they are putting out as a relationship, which even if it is an honest depiction of what's going on, it's the result of their relationship having a lot of problems. So it's like they want to work backwards from that. And her main goal is on their wedding day, not only do they want to feel good about it, they want their friends who are around them all the time to feel good about it too. I know. And the thing that I can't stop thinking is that the clock is ticking. We're only a few months away from the actual wedding date. And I don't mean to sound pessimistic because we know what ends up happening. They end up getting married and they do seem happy now. But I have to imagine that if I was sitting there, if I was Paige or if I was Sierra, I'd be thinking, how much could possibly change in a few months when this has been years building? Right. That was sort of their 
thought, you could tell, but how do you say that to someone? And I mean, I felt for Paige this whole episode. She wants to bring it up in a way where Amanda doesn't feel ganged up on or that she's kind of backed into a corner and has to either defend Kyle or agree with them. Like, it's a really sticky situation. And Paige being one of her close friends in the wedding party, she also doesn't want to, like Amanda felt insecure about later, seem as though she's disapproving of a wedding that she is going to walk down the aisle in. So it's so hard because, of course, you want the best for your friend, but both of those things are the best and also maybe not the best thing for your friend. I just, I understood her being so upset. And I think you could feel it in all of them talking to her, how personally affected they felt because they are close to Kyle. They live with them so in such close quarters for so long, for so many summers and winters that they feel like they have a hand in this relationship and also a way closer front row seat than most people ever do to their friends' relationships. Yeah, of course. And they really love and care about both of them. It was very evident. I, I mean, the thing is, though, Amanda does them all the biggest favor by being so receptive and so non-defensive. Yes. A lot of people would have taken this, even people on the Summer House cast, and they would have really spun it. And I just think that she has a way of really hearing what people are saying, and they have to appreciate that. I also thought Maya did such a good job of relating her situation where she was with her fiance for five years and ended up calling off the engagement. She related it to them without making it seem like, Amanda, this is what you should do, or this is what I, from my personal experience, think you should do. But she is also living proof of what could happen. And even Sierra says, it's easier to postpone than to redo it. Mm-hmm. A million times over. And I also think this would have been a different conversation if it already wasn't postponed a few times because of COVID. Like right. it's a harder sell for Amanda because she's already so frustrated by the fact that it's been taking so long in the first place. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of loved it. I'm happy that it happened in this way. What was so interesting to me was the starkness of the contrast between Paige's willingness to engage with Andrea flirtatiously prior to the cry conversation and after the fact, not because she felt like she couldn't or she wasn't allowed, but because you could tell she was almost feeling genuinely turned off because she knew that by doing that, it was complicating things with the person that she actually cared about. Yeah. Week to week, we are watching her feelings and also the seriousness of the relationship between Paige and Craig grow. And I feel like this was sort of a pivotal turning point where Yes, she was engaging. They were flirty. You know, he, Andrea is all over her and cannot stop. And this is the week where I felt like it really became so not reciprocal anymore and almost like he was being turned down. And he he could feel it. You know, guys are sensitive to that. He could totally feel it. And also the thing that I wanted to say is that I know when you're watching this episode, Craig looked like such a hypocrite and he was, and Paige called out that hypocrisy. But I didn't feel like he was doing it in a way that was necessarily gaslighting her or making her feel like she's some terrible person. He was being honest about his upset and then also honest about the fact that he knows he has no right to talk. And I think that when you're in this type of situation where it's not exclusive, but you care about each other, that can happen on both sides. It's like, I'm pissed at you, but I know I have no right to be pissed. And when the dust kind of settled, you could tell it. It was just coming from a place of caring about one another. Right. And also like his jealousy and realization of like, oh, wow, I really care about her. I don't want her kissing anyone else. I understand why when she found out about me and Kristen that that hit her so hard. It's all fun and games with the whole open relationship, non-exclusive thing until something like this happens. And it's the most telling thing because I genuinely think the way that you react has a lot to do with the depth of your feelings for the other person. Not that there's anything wrong with not being jealous. I'm not of the belief that jealousy is always indicative of feelings. That's not what I'm saying. However, if it sparks something in you of like, I don't want the chance for this to ever happen again because I only want to be with this person, that means something. Right. It almost needed to happen in order to get them to where they are today. So as hard and painful as it was, and she's crying in the closet because they had to have a tough conversation, it inevitably led to where they are now. Also, when I was watching this episode and we see the date between Carl and Mackenzie and maybe he has feeling towards her and she seemed perfectly nice. And then later on, I'm seeing the photos that Lindsay posted of them at Watch What Happens and they're holding hands and Carl's captioning his photo, how lucky he feels. I'm like, holy fuck, the amount that has changed in less than a year is wild. 
And when they're at Kyle's birthday in the city and they're talking with Everett, Lindsay's ex, and Carl is like standing there with Lindsay and Everett. And you just, who would have thought while they're standing there talking and Lindsay's reflecting on her past with Everett, how she thought maybe she would marry him. They were moving in together. Like that is now Carl. Well, do you know how crazy it must be for both Lindsay and Carl to do these confessionals? Because obviously they film them after the fact. And so they have to reflect on all these things. Carl has to talk about Mackenzie and almost recreate the excitement that he felt knowing very well what ends up happening. I mean, it is such a beautiful love story. Like if this ends up working out, it is going to be I was about to use the word historic and then I was like, slow your fucking roll, but it's going to be a really big deal. It will be a really big deal and it will be absolutely amazing. I mean, by the way, speaking of Lindsay and confessionals, did you see the preview for next week when Austin comes to town? Uh, Isabel, I can't. Oh, like, no, this is for us specifically because of the awakening we had about Austin on Winterhouse. This is our porn. Like we are going to lose it from next week. He is like making out with Sierra and then Lindsay is saying that he obviously would stay in her room and then they're making out in front of everybody. And Sierra with Carl, like, oh my God, I am so excited. It is so messy in the best way possible. He really comes to town like a goddamn hurricane. And we've only seen the preview. I know. And Craig, wait, what about the conversation that we see between? Oh my God, we see them in person together. It's just so rare that you get this. I'm not going to get crazy. It's not like they're an A-list couple, but they're definitely making their way into you know, the mainstream. I would say that they are both very famous, especially as far as Bravo goes. And typically you don't get this level of behind the scenes. Okay. Maybe you see a little bit of the start of a relationship on a reality show, but not like this. It's just so nuts how Bravo works. Like they both were cast on completely separate shows. He was on a show about boys in Charleston and she was cast on a show going to the Hamptons and literally because their shows air on the same network that happen to work like sororities and fraternities where there are big events all together and crossovers, they happen to meet because their reality shows play on the same channel. Like and they're going to get married and have kids? What? What? Like, imagine telling uh, our parents when they were younger that this is how things would go down. Well, it's crazy. I mean, technically, they're colleagues. Right. Really, it's like they work. It's it's no different than two people that work at Morgan Stanley in different branches. That's literally what's happening here. And they just happen to have a crossover. It's <laughs> They met at like a corporate function in, in a ballroom, and now they're living, going to live together. Right. That, that's how I feel. It's like, I don't know why Morgan Stanley is the example that just came to my <laughs> mind. It's like maybe the most opposite one, but that's exactly how I feel. It's almost like there was a company-wide event and they locked eyes. And I mean, it's just wild. Wow. 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 Yeah. Okay. Salt Lake City? Yes. So Mother's Day is coming up and I know sometimes it can be difficult figuring out what to get your mom because realistically no gift is going to do justice for how much you love and appreciate her. But I'm sure you've done the classic, you know, bathrobe, candle, sweaters, gift cards. If you're looking to mix it up, I want to tell you about Aura Frames. So they were named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. And it's just the kind of gift that is guaranteed to bring joy because realistically, there's nothing our parents love more than seeing us. So for them to be able to see more of us, even if you don't live close by, like that is probably the best gift you could give a parent. They're Wi-Fi connected. They come with unlimited storage. So you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. And it's easy to set up. It takes about two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app. We have one in my kitchen. And every time my dad comes down for breakfast, like it just makes him so happy. There's pictures of me, pictures of me and my parents when I was little, pictures of my grandparents. Like I think as a parent, you never get sick of that. And it's just the kind of gift I know she will love. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code CBC at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. So the weather is finally getting a little warmer. And one of the most fun parts about the seasons changing is kind of the wardrobe revamp that comes along with that. And if you're looking to update your wardrobe without spending a fortune, I want to introduce you to Quince because I really think that they do quality essentials kind of better than anyone I found. And 
I've told you guys about them before, but specifically as the weather is getting warmer, their linen dresses, like such an easy throw on, so comfortable, such good quality. To me, if you put on a linen dress with a pair of white sneakers, a little cardigan over your shoulders, to me, that is such a chic look. Also, they're washable silk blouses. They are so comfortable, but you look so put together. They have great like scoop neck t-shirts, just comfortable, easy staples. Like that is what I like about them. I think that you can really build just a quality wardrobe collection with their essentials. And the best part is that all Quinn's items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. So by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and then passes those savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Get warm rather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash CBC for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash CBC to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash CBC. I did something with this reunion that I don't think I've ever done before, which is I have not looked at all on social media to see the response. So I can't tell if anything we're about to talk about is consistent with like the quote popular belief. There's just so much talk about Salt Lake City. I think even during the normal season and during these on and off times, even during the week when the show is not on, that the conversation during the reunion is very similar to what we're seeing at all times. Like there has just been so much that goes into this and this is only part one of the reunion. And I feel like we covered more topics than some hit in three or four parts. There was just not one person that I agreed with entirely. No, I mean, by the way, I still don't really know what anyone's problem is or where they stand. Like they will say things and I will have to very much remind myself of why they feel that way and their past history. And also not really have a clear understanding of where everybody falls. I'm telling you, the only thing I know for sure is that Whitney and Heather are best friends and are not feuding with each other. And the rest is pretty, pretty blurry. I mean, what the fuck is wrong with me that I get out of this reunion and I'm like, you know what? Jen Shaw made some points. I saw a lot of people saying, how is it possible that after everything that has gone down with all these women, with Jenny, with Jen, with Mary, doesn't even show up to the reunion, and the biggest enemy is Lisa Barlow. Like, how did we get here? I disagree with that. I mean, let's just dive right into it, I guess. Well, I actually want to start by saying, interesting moment when we see before it actually starts that Andy goes into Jen's trailer to give her the caveat about how he never gave any of the questions to Erica ahead of time. I liked that. I loved that. I didn't even really remember that being a rumor. I mean, I think I saw that the questions had to be approved by a lawyer. Like there were so many things, but that specifically, and also it's sort of like an unspoken thing of Andy saying you and Erica are in the same boat. And Jen, like we kept saying last week, is still like, who, me? Like, I don't have legal troubles. Like she almost was a little bit offended, I feel like, to be lumped in with Erica. So it was just so funny that he felt it was necessary to make that clarification. But I also liked it. And I think now it's like the, quote, standard for these housewives who are in legal trouble. I also appreciated that when they actually sat down that he asked her the question about if she ever considered ending filming. And she says her reason was because, you know, she wanted to tell her story on the show, even against the better judgment of her lawyers, which is interesting. I mean, to say she wants to tell her story, I don't think is necessarily the case. I think she just enjoys the perks that come with being a housewife, which there's nothing wrong with. But good question nonetheless. Well, I think Andy asked Erica that same question and it was sort of a similar response. But what I feel is different is Erica had been on the show for many seasons until this year, whereas Jen probably felt like I'm just getting started. Like that high you get from being a housewife, literally going from not being famous to being super famous and people caring about what you do, which I think to Jen is all she's ever wanted. She was not ready to give that up. And even if that meant her lawyers disapproving and that potentially affecting her case and her life, I think it was a risk she was willing to take. Also, not for nothing, I don't know her exact salary, but as the seasons progress and as she becomes more of an integral part of the show, her salary increases as well. And she's a little strapped for cash at the moment. So it's not like it's nothing. I have to imagine that next season she'd be making at least a couple hundred grand. Well, also being on the show gives her a platform to continue to be relevant and sell products and do whatever she can to then make more money on top of her salary. So it's a business. Being a housewife is a full-time 
business and you become the breadwinner of your own business when you're a housewife. So I get that the pros and cons of it, but I do think a lot of it was probably really selfishly motivated. And listen, if I'm Jen Shaw and my lawyers are telling me that it's not a good idea, I probably would be scared, but I'm glad she took the risk because here we are. I mean, for our sake, I'm thrilled. Right. <laughs> yeah. Also, just to go to Meredith for a second, I don't know if personally for me, if I was as aware of her behavior shift between seasons one and two until she actually called it out. Like I knew something was off, but I don't think I would have outlined it as clearly as she did. And I think I appreciated that because it helped me process. Right. Well, there is a reason why I think we and so many other people felt that we loved her and connected with her so much last season and then felt like, wait, this is the woman that we felt we were so trusting of. It, it just felt like a different take on Meredith. And for her to be so self-aware of that and to then also explain why she was behaving the way she was, to me, that gives her even like more credit in a way because I think she is understanding exactly what we're seeing and saying that she sees it too. Yes. And to be honest with you, I would be lying if I said I feel completely clear on the whole thing. I definitely have some points of confusion, but that's okay. You know, they don't owe us full transparency about every single issue that was going on in their lives. I just think it was nice to hear her say, towards the end of the season, I was completely off the rails. Not because I necessarily felt that, but something was off. And I also always love to see how the housewives feel about themselves watching it back because a lot of times they really stand by their behavior or think that they're still in the right. But, you know, months have passed. And also watching yourself on TV, you see things a lot different than you remember them in your head and when it's all going down in the moment. Completely. And understanding their perception is not something we're always privy to. So I appreciate when we are. But I want to talk about Lisa for a second. Are you down for that? Of course. There's so much here. And I think the thing I want to just jump right in with is I think a lot of the criticism Lisa receives is valid, but just to put one in the box of something I think is total bullshit, no part of me ever felt like Jenny was doing Lisa's dirty work. Do you disagree? No, I think Jenny felt an alliance to Lisa, certainly, but I also think that's very normal when one housewife brings another on and also has a relationship with her before the show. Like That is just human nature. I think a lot of things Lisa does in general are very calculated. And when Jenny fits into that, like she sees things in a certain light, but I don't think Lisa sought her out to do her dirty work per se. And I think Jenny also wanted to come in really strong and get involved in these situations. So those two things combined, like I think everyone just falls into Lisa's spell and retelling of the story, no matter what, who you are. I know. I think that what's frustrating is that I like Heather so much and I think so much of what she says really is accurate that I almost wish she would lighten up a little bit on Lisa because the fact that she goes so overboard, it actually weakens the strength of her arguments mm -hmm. for the real shit. You know what I mean? I think she just gives Lisa way too much credit. Like I don't think Lisa is sitting there literally plotting out, okay, if I take away Angie's caterers from her party, then it will all go downhill and I'll be the queen housewife. Like, I, Then she'll never be friends with Whitney. Like, I just think Lisa is totally, like, has her manipulative qualities. She loves to kind of control the narrative. She always wants to be Switzerland. Like, I get it. But I don't think that she is putting as much thought into all these things. I do agree with Heather that Lisa very much has that stereotypical mean cool girl attitude where she wants to be friends with who she wants to be friends with and maybe makes people feel bad but I just like I don't think she's that calculated or not even that smart but just not that conniving conniving thank you yeah I knew that's the word you were looking for no I mean I, I feel the same way the one thing that I did find interesting from this conversation that isn't necessarily groundbreaking but when Heather says something to the effect of, you know, Lisa really likes to make sure that before anybody films with her, they know the ground rules. Mm -hmm. Not only did people endorse that, Lisa didn't necessarily deny that, which it isn't bad or good, but it's just interesting. Yeah. Those are the kind of things I totally think she does and makes it very clear where she stands and what it takes to sort of be on her good side. But I don't think she's going much farther than that. You know, like I think it's just sort of her personality and say what you want about Lisa. She is an amazing housewife because she's a little messy. She's 
dramatic. She's not afraid to go there. And she's just like funny to watch. That's what I almost want to say to Heather. I feel as though they are in two completely different classes. Like you ask a room of a hundred people, who do you want as your friend? I think 99 are going to say Heather, you know, between Heather and Lisa, I think Heather is just objectively more selfless and she is just objectively a better friend, but Lisa's fun. And part of the shit that they come down so hard on her for is the reason that she's such television magic. Right. It's, it's so true. I mean, this is the tale as old as time, but I, love watching her. And I also specifically love watching her at a reunion because I think she tends to contradict herself and also has like these amazing reasons as to why she did things or how things went down, which can or can't be true. But I love to hear her retell a story. And I think she's just a great housewife and I think she brings drama. And I love when Whitney said, I think Andy asked who is the biggest pot stirrer of the group. And Whitney said, I think it's Lisa, but then she'll pass the baton to me. Like that is fucking honesty right there. And you know what? If we're going to have a cast without a pot stirrer, I don't want it. Right. I don't want it. <laughs> That's not like, a reality that I choose to live in. Yeah, you can right. keep that. Exactly. I also want to talk about Meredith and Jenny for a second because I'm really glad that they addressed some of those conversations because I remember when that episode came out, we were like, what the fuck, Meredith? Like, we adore you. And this is so out of character. And it's, you know, it's it's weak. It's it's almost like it's disappointing that you aren't taking a harsher stand on that. So I'm glad that they talked about that and she kind of clarified whether or not Jenny accepted that apology. It's not our decision to make. But I was glad as a viewer to see that moment be re-brought up and at least for Meredith to kind of explain where her head was at. At the same time, unrelated to any of the offensive comments made by Mary and Meredith's lack of jumping in. I do have to feel as though Meredith was almost maybe clued in about Jenny's character earlier than the rest of the cast slash the rest of us. Like, I almost feel like when all that stuff came out about Jenny, it was as if Meredith is looking back like, told you so, without saying it. Yeah, it totally feels that way. I mean, I'm glad that they talked about it too, because I think the other women were like, Meredith, how could you stand by this? And that added to their confusion about her tightness with Mary. So it was obviously a conversation that needed to be had, but watching this in hindsight, now knowing what we know about Jenny and some of the public posts that she's made, I mean, they open up the entire reunion with a disclaimer that her social media post became public after the reunion was shot. But it's just watching this is like, it's almost eerie because Jenny is making so many comments about how anybody could be racist and just all of these things. And it kind of comes full circle. Yeah. I mean, you know, my thoughts on the situation, obviously I think what she posted is just inexcusable. And although I'm glad she no longer has a platform, I would be lying if I said there isn't a part of me that wishes her feet were held to the fire in this particular circumstance. And she had to really explain, you know, that it was a social media manager or whatever other bullshit she said in such a public setting as a reunion. Yeah, me too. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract, and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life, so don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. 50 high school senior girls descend on Mobile, Alabama every summer to compete for a massive cash prize. It isn't Survivor. It's one of America's most lucrative scholarship competitions for teen girls. It's been around for seven decades. Now you'll hear what took place behind the scenes. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery comes the competition. Host Shima Oliai was Nevada's contestant 20 years ago. Now she's returning as a judge to find out what two weeks with 50 of the country's most ambitious teens can tell us about girlhood in America. What happens when the competitors are thrown into the deep end with the best and brightest? 
and how to surviving the competition prepare them for everything that comes after. Follow the competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of the competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Two other things that I wanted to mention. The first is about Meredith and Mary. I found it interesting to hear Meredith say that she didn't feel that she was going, quote, so hard for Mary as everyone interpreted. And what I wished the group would have communicated to her a little bit better was that it wasn't that she was going so hard for Mary. I agree with her. It wasn't that she was coming in and consistently defending Mary, or at least that wasn't my perception. I felt that it was she didn't check Mary in moments where she was objectively wrong or objectively being mean to some of Meredith's longest friends. That was where I think the confusion came from. And I think that it would have been a more productive conversation if they framed it in that way. Right. Like her silence spoke louder than words. But also I think a lot of the optics of the way the season went down, whether it was purposeful or not, put Mary and Meredith together. So like they both didn't go on the bus. They weren't together, but they both weren't there. Or they would both walk out of situations or Meredith would follow Mary because maybe Mary needed an ally in that moment. And Meredith felt like Mary's always been good to me. I should have her back. Like there was a lot that it just felt like they were always grouped together. And I think from Meredith's perspective, she didn't necessarily feel like they were the best of friends, but sort of the way that the group scenes went down or the kind of breakup of the group, it always ended up with the two of them together. And that made the other women feel like they were a package deal. Completely. And I very much understand why the group felt that way based on, like you said, the optics. The whole thing is just kind of confusing and still kind of bizarre. I still don't think we got total clarity on it. I think Meredith knew though that Mary wasn't coming today. You mean in comparison to the other women that didn't know? Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. Also, I want to get into the conversation between Lisa and Jen, but I first have to say, I could feel Lisa's frustration so deeply when the group kept coming for her for the rant that she gave against Meredith, and she would just wanted to scream and say, God fucking damn it, if that was never filmed, you guys would not have this as ammunition, and now you have this, and it's a cheap shot. And it's like, not that they were wrong, but God, I understood where she was coming from in terms of being frustrated. Yeah. And she just kept saying, I was in a rage. Like she literally was blacked out in that moment. And it may sound like a bullshit excuse, but I also kind of understand that she just fucking lost her shit. But <laughs> Meredith's reaction, I think we were expecting some huge crazy thing. And look, we haven't gotten into it yet. So it's not fair to say. But even when Andy goes in her room in the beginning, her calm attitude is almost scarier than if she was totally like fired up. Oh yeah. Cause it kind of shows that she had time to process it. It's just like her, it's almost eerie. Like she is too cool, calm and collected that you know that she has something to say and she knows that she is in the right. Like it just made Lisa look so bad. Well, I think that's the other thing. When someone is so clearly, quote, guilty of doing such a thing, or there's no way to backtrack from that, it almost takes the pressure off of the person on the receiving end from having to have this grand response. It's like Lisa did enough speaking for both of them. Right. Like the proof is in the pudding. I think she probably felt very validated because at this point, I don't really think she cares so much about Lisa or her reputation or their friendship that she might just feel like, well, there you have it, folks. Like this is the true Lisa Barlow and everything I ever thought she said and did my work for me. I can't help but feel whether it's accurate or not, or whether I'm just making it up, that there is some sense of a looming sadness for both of them, maybe more so for Lisa. But I do think on some level, Meredith maybe mourns what their relationship once was. Yeah, I would I would hope so. And I think so. I think in the moment, maybe right now, especially at the reunion a day or two after seeing Lisa go on this rant, it's not so apparent. But I don't know. I mean, we've seen housewives go through worse shit and end up rekindling. So who knows? I don't think it will be tomorrow. But I do think that at the end of the day, they did have a connection and were friends pre-show. And I like I loved them together. So as great as this drama is and as sad as it is, I would love to see them get back soon. Completely. And I also want to say that when Lisa and Jen had that back and forth, because Lisa said, I love Jen Shaw, as controversial as that is, I can't 
lie to you. I was almost proud of Jen for responding and basically saying, leave that shit out. Like, I don't need a disclaimer. Either you love me or you don't love me. I'm tired of that. I thought that that was a very self-respecting thing to say. Me too, because I think after Jen has been through all this shit, people feel like they can kind of say anything and that it's almost understood by Jen that there are so many reasons not to want to be on her side. And it's like, no, I'm a person. I'm your friend. I'm a human being. I'm your cast member. Like, you can't let that all go. Like, I'm still sitting right here. Yeah. And I don't know, for some reason, I appreciated that moment, even though I understood where Lisa was coming from, because it is controversial, especially in that group. Right. Yeah. I don't know. A lot happened, but more is going to happen next week. Yeah. It's like a lot happened, but also nothing happened, which I think is how I would summarize this whole season of Salt Lake City. But I do feel better kind of getting answers and also helping me like clear out in my mind where everyone stands kind of completely let's talk about something near and dear to our hearts our furry companions life is full of unexpected twists just like the ones we love to uncover about our favorite celebs but sometimes those twists involve our four-legged friends imagine navigating the unpredictable world of pet parenthood where every day is a new adventure Our partner, Spot Pet Insurance, wants to share a message to help make sure you're prepared for any unexpected curveballs, whether it's a sudden illness or an unplanned trip to the vet. Spot Pet Insurance can be your secret weapon against the unexpected. With Spot, you can get up to 90% cash back on eligible vet bills, helping you with those surprising expenses that seem to pop up when you least expect them. But wait, there's more. Spot Pet Insurance plans go beyond just offering coverage for accidents and illnesses. You can enhance your plan with their preventive care benefit ensuring that routine wellness, vaccines, and more can be covered too. Head over to spotpet.com today to get a quote instantly. Trust us, it's the easiest thing you'll do to help secure the well-being of your dog or cat. Visit www.spotpet.com today. Paid ad from Spot Pet Insurance. Waiting periods, annual deductible, co-insurance, benefit limits, and exclusions may apply. For all terms, visit spotpetins.com sample hyphen policy. Insurance plans are underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by Spot Pet Insurance Services, LLC. People have so many different reasons for wanting to learn a new language. Maybe you have an upcoming trip or just want to pick up a new hobby or a skill or just connect with a new culture. I know for me, when I was abroad in Barcelona in college, I'm not going to say that I was fluent in Spanish, but I definitely got to the point where I felt really confident conversing. And when I got home, my dad said to me, Emmy, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. And he was so right. Like I entirely lost it. So Rosetta Stone has been really helpful for me. So if you are in that same boat or you want to learn a new language completely, you want to brush up your skills, whatever it is, I want to tell you about Rosetta Stone because they're the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. And it really kind of immerses you in the language that you want to learn. So first of all, they're the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. It's fast language acquisition. So they immerse you in many ways. First of all, there's no English translation. So you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language, which In my experience, I know I'm getting it when I start to think in the language. It's an intuitive process. So you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. And it's designed for long-term retention. Also, in terms of speech recognition, they have a built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And it's convenient. So desktop and app options with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. And it's an amazing value. You're getting lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone has to offer for 50% off, which is a steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Comments by Celebs listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash comments. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash comments today. I am not even going to sugarcoat it. I am so depressed that this season is over. I am debating starting it from the beginning again. It was a really phenomenal season. I mean, I don't think that's dramatic to say. I'm really going to miss it. I love Miami. I love Miami and I think it is a top tier show. This season alone could stand perfectly with the rest of them. Oh, completely. I mean, this episode though, it was heavy. It was really hard and I understand Obviously, I personalized it a little because I also lost my mom, but I think for anybody, this was hard to watch. It was hard, but it was also so beautiful and a weirdly perfect end to the season to bring them all together for something that transcends any of their bullshit. I mean, when we're watching Marisol and Nicole put their petty fight to the side and really come together for their friend and like be just two great, strong women and 
Marisol just have that moment to say like, what was I thinking? Like Nicole is a great girl with a good heart. That is what I love. Like, let's get real here for a second. Yeah. All that drama. You heard things about Miami, but like, this is real friendship and this is real life. Yeah. And I mean, people always say that, that in the darkest times, you really can see people's true colors. And I think that this was an example of that. And personally, and I know you feel the same way, I was so glad to see this because we love both Nicole and Marisol. And I almost felt disappointed with Marisol for not seeing the good in Nicole that we all saw, or at least that you and I saw. So it was healing this moment. Completely. I mean, the most true thing that I think sort of sums it all up is when Marisol says, the things that happened to Alexia happened to nobody. Mm -hmm. It's it's unbelievable. Like We were watching her plan her full wedding. And on the day of her wedding, her mother passes away from COVID. No, it's heartbreaking. I I can't even imagine it. I was having such a hard time. You know, a lot of times when I watch people experience loss because I've experienced so much loss in my own life, I can kind of feel like I relate. And of course I related to her pain, but the way that it all went down was just felt very unique to me because it's like the highest point of your life matched with the lowest happening at the exact same time. It's really, God, this, I just, I feel for her so much. But in true Alexia fashion, because she has been through so much, she looked at it as I think she was ready to go and she knew that Todd was here to protect me and my kids. And like she just always looks at things so beautifully and everyone just admires her so much for that. Well, I mean, think about it. When people have had a lot of hardships, they have a choice to make. It's either going to harden you or it's going to force you to change your perspective. And it's not easy for it to be the latter. But she's the prime example of somebody who's turned her trauma and her pain into power in terms of like, I think being incredibly optimistic, having a really strong perspective on things. And I just admire her so much. She doesn't have to be like this. It would be so easy for her to not be like this. Yeah. Oh my God. It would be so easy. And most people would probably take that route, but I think that's what makes her so amazing. And I mean, even the episode does end up on a happy note We get to see her like a couple of clips from her wedding where she elopes with Todd to St. Bart's and like that just made me so just smile. Yeah. And it's interesting because it's not like she needed another trauma to prove how close her and Todd were. That's not what I'm trying to say at all. However, I do think naturally this this experience bonded them even more. So when they're sitting around with their family and he turns to them and says, you know what? We need this time as a couple. We're going together and we're going to get married in St. Bart's. Everyone really got it. Yeah, they were so happy for them too. Even Peter, which I think was a great feeling for Alexia. Yeah. I mean, in terms of some of the more petty bullshit, this Larsa and Adriana stuff, it's got to end. It's so bottom of the barrel for both of them. I love Adriana so much, and I've said that from day one. But I agree with Larsa. She is fully baiting her. She wants a pull quote about the Kardashians. She wants to go there. She wants to really pull Larsa's quote skeletons out of the closet. And Larsa's like, I just don't want to go there. Like that is my old life with her marriage, with everything, like with who she used to be. I think Adriana just feels really wronged by Larsa and doesn't like a lot of things about her personality, which is fine, but you don't need to pick a fight every single time you sit down. Like have a little more respect for Alexia at the very least to not do this at her bachelorette party. Completely. And I think what ends up happening is that it just makes Adriana look bad. It's a very classless thing to do. And sometimes the way that she instigates almost feels cruel. But by that same token, Larsa handles it terribly. Like they both end up going down to this level that is so low. And let's call it out for exactly what it is. For Larsa to repeatedly call Adriana bipolar as an insult, as if it's not like a genuine mental health condition that people struggle with, is so like wrong. It's so fucked up. It's so wrong. But I think what that shows to me is just a lack of sophistication. It's not like you caught Larsa in a bad moment. I think that what happens with her is that 90% of the time she can pass as though she can, you know, hold a candle with Alexia and she can play with the best of them. And then these moments happen and it really shows how unsophisticated she truly is at her core. Not saying she's a bad person, but she, I I say it repeatedly because it's the only word to me that shows she just lacks grace. Well, that's how I felt when she made the child out of wedlock comment too. Like just how, just so not self-aware. I don't know. I I hated it. And I hate when she throws those things around that go far and beyond the petty drama. And also like, they're not fighting about anything. They're literally fighting about the fact that they both just don't like each other. And really that Adriana thinks Larsa is just a bad, mean person. Like there's no substance to the argument here. So 
I don't know. I, I love them because I love people who just don't like each other. I think it's always fun to watch. And of course, if there's nothing going on at a dinner party, they'll bring the drama. But again, it was too much and it was ruining my fun weekend at the Versace mansion. Yeah. I mean, if I'm Alexia, I'd be really annoyed and I'd be more annoyed at Adriana. Larsa, in her defense, even though she handled it terribly, she was just kind of defending herself. She wasn't going into it looking for a fight. Adriana was ready. No, like even Julia making the comment about like not connecting with Larsa, it's, I agree with her that Larsa doesn't connect, but I also think it's like, you're starting shit. Like now the whole conversation has to happen and it's just like, it doesn't need to happen. Yeah, no, the whole thing was off. But don't you kind of agree with me about how this wasn't necessarily a rare moment for Larsa? It was just a moment that exhibits this other side of her personality? No, I mean, it's Courtney's birthday trip. It's the wedlock comment. It's a lot of things that is the real true Larsa to her core. And it's like, sometimes I'm watching her divorce scene and I feel like she really gets it. Like she, you know, she's with it and she's understands like how things work. And then she turns around and makes another comment that is just so wrong. And it's like, how could that even come out of someone's mouth? And you're like, oh yeah, that's also Larsa. We have to put, do not let me forget. We have to put the link to the episode of Courtney's birthday in the description because we have gotten so many DMs of people being like, you guys reference it all the time and I don't know what you're talking about. And for people that aren't avid Kardashians watchers, they're probably like, what are they saying? Okay, I'll put it in. I mean, we literally reference her as Courtney's 40th birthday, Larsa, like as if it's one of her hats that she wears. Yeah. So we have to make sure that we do that for anybody confused. I'm going to rewatch that. Yeah. Why not, right? Yeah, why not? Got me a little more riled up about Larsa. It feels timely. (laughs) (laughs) I loved this episode. I loved this season. You guys know how I feel. I've gotten so many DMs about people starting Miami from the beginning or downloading Peacock because we have talked about it so passionately. And I just think it, it deserves every single praise that we have given it as such avid Housewives watchers. I mean, even something so little that I appreciated was At the end of every finale, you know, when they do the like, where are they now? Little screen grabs and lines about what's happened in their lives since the finale. Mm -hmm. I think those were some of the best that I've ever seen ever. We got visuals. We got punny jokes. We got everything that you could ask for. I mean, we got Nicole's engagement ring and all of them on top of being edited so nicely, were also so interesting, which just proves that these women are the most perfect cast. I wouldn't change a thing. No, they're the most perfect cast. And I think if she wants it, Nicole is going to have a very fruitful Bravo future. I mean, your lips to God's ears. Yeah. I mean, watch this space. As far as I'm concerned, Nicole (laughs) is like the future. I fucking love her. And she may prove me wrong and I may be biting my words, but I just, I don't know. There's something about her that I think is a total powerhouse. I agree with you. And also, we say this every time it happens, I could watch Lisa and Lenny talk about nothing for hours. How does this end? I'm sorry. It's like, I want them to stay together so badly. They have two beautiful children. I know that that's what they both want, but come on. It's like, it's so visibly off, no? It's like they live in the same house, but they also live in two different worlds. But I don't think that that's that atypical for Lisa in general. Like, I really feel like I'm learning her more this season and she is kind of in her own world, which is fine, but I don't know. It just, it doesn't seem promising. Although- Maybe maybe they're just going to say fuck it and stay together. I don't know. Lisa is a lot more immature and, and kid-like than you would remember or expect. I actually think it's gotten more and more over time because when I watch her old seasons, I felt like she was very sophisticated. She was young. She was like 30, I think, in the first couple of seasons. And she felt very sophisticated and she was with Lenny and like living this life and taking on the building of this house. But now like when Marisol says when they get to the Versace mansion, Lisa is all bubbles and rainbows, but she also should never be in charge of anything. That's how I feel. I know. And the the issue that I'm having in terms of like trying to wrap my brain around it is that I find that that whimsical quality in a person can be very endearing. Like Mm -hmm. if that's your personality, you shouldn't try to change it. It's just that I can't help but feel as though Lenny is frustrated by that. Well, I also think he is more of an old soul, and that's probably what connected them. But over time, it's become like frustrating for him for Lisa to not understand things. And maybe he feels like he has a third kid already in Lisa. 
Right. And at the same time, that's just her personality and she doesn't want to feel judged for it. I mean, I know we're making up this whole narrative. It's not like either. <laughs> we not- just like to hypothesize about the Hochsteins. Right. Like I know neither of them have ever said it. It's just that's so glaring to me. I, th- I think that, yeah, they're just not on the same page. And forget it. Talk about the preview for the reunion. She's hysterically crying over something that looks like Lenny. Well, yeah, I think it goes deep into what happened between the two of them when the cameras weren't rolling for seven years, which I mean, this is all the things that we've come up with with this, these couple of episodes. Imagine what we'll get into after we learn more. Oh, I can't wait. Oh, I see you for wait. that therapy session then. <laughs> uh, see you guys then. Okay, getting into Jersey, and I know I'm kind of just jumping right in here. I was feeling so frustrated for Margaret because in direct opposition to the conversation we were having about Summer House and how none of them really shot the messenger and Kyle understood why Danielle you know, had to tell the group. It's like Teresa was gunning so hard for Margaret here and it was so deeply unwarranted. Well, Margaret could, kept saying like everyone here has questions and no one would back her up. And I just feel bad because – I really like Margaret, but she has now taken the brunt of these two big things, which are bringing Jennifer and Bill's relationship issues to the table and now also being sort of the one who wants to talk about Louie's video. And again, I think a lot of people on social media were saying this too, like there's not that much to talk about this video. Like there's not, I think they all just had concern for her as a friend and kind of were like, what is this? Is this a red flag? But there's not like, necessarily an issue. Like, I don't know what the conversation wants to be. And I think they were more hoping to have an honest talk with Teresa about it as friends and not with Louie or make him address it at all. Like, I don't think that was anyone's goal in all of this. Oh my God. I mean, that back and forth between Louie and Teresa could be studied for years and years to come. That was... Holy shit, because she was clearly coming from a place of being so protective, but the way that she went about it actually almost started to feel infantilizing. And then his response on top of that also started to feel infantilizing. It was like, okay, you everybody needs to relax. It was so crazy to watch. And like when Teresa gets in that mode of like, you don't know anything, stop, don't talk, like stop, stop, stop. And thinking that she was doing the right thing. It was Oh my God. Like, you're right. That will go down in the history books. Like, I could study that forever. And also, it's such a reflection on, like, her past and how she deals with the relationships. And also, it seems just how Louis is. Like, he feels like he almost needs that protection and that she feels so much responsibility for bringing him into the spotlight and wanting him to feel comfortable. And I also think he has, like, a hint of being very paranoid and hating when people talk about him. But he also wanted to use this as his moment to, like, get it all out there. And he kept, when he said to Margaret, oh my God, when he said to Margaret, like, you don't scare me even on your worst day. Is that what he said? Yeah. You don't intimidate me. Yeah. You don't intimidate me. I like my jaw dropped. It was such a bizarre comment. I mean, it was such a bizarre comment. It was. Especially, you know, we have that. And then on the complete opposite end of the spectrum, we have Bill Aiden who's standing there kind of silently. And I know we're just jumping all over the place here. Let me start by saying, I sometimes feel like when I watch New Jersey, I go on social media and it's like I was watching a completely different show Mm -hmm. because at least the loudest voices are so team Jennifer. And like I always say, completely respect everyone's opinion. But I don't think that she's as innocent as everyone kind of makes her out to be. And I couldn't believe that the next day she was coming down so hard on Bill. Whereas to me, I think that's exactly what he and every other husband should be doing. I mean, imagine our dads, hypothetically speaking, in this alternate universe that our moms were getting into a verbal altercation with their friends. I know this would never happen, but just hypothetically speaking, imagine our dads getting involved and coming for the women. Like to me, that is the weirdest fucking thing ever. I think that what he did is exactly what you do. I think you stay completely out of it. I know. I agree with that, but I will say you only can compare to your own experience and here all the husbands are being involved it's like it makes bill look bad and i think jen is watching all the other husbands either defend their wife or stick up for themselves or get involved and bill stays there silent and yeah maybe in a zoomed out perspective of what is technically right that would be the right thing to do but in the actual scenario that she is sitting in physically it is not the norm. And on top of all of that, she's already insecure that now everyone knows that he cheated on her all these years ago and 
have an extra microscope on their marriage. And she, one of the first things she says is like, they're all sitting there thinking like, oh, he doesn't have her back. Like she is not only upset that she saw the other husbands having the women's back, but she's worried about what everyone now thinks about them because it, it's so up front and center. Like who's to say if the rumor hadn't come out and Bill hadn't defended her, she probably wouldn't have made a comment like that or really cared or noticed because she can usually handle things on her own. I know, but, and I hear you and I understand why she was feeling insecure. Of course, it's such a normal reaction, but he's just not that guy. I think that all of the qualities she probably likes about Bill probably fall very much in line with the fact that he does stay kind of out of it. And he does have this kind of calm, cool and collected personality. And you saw the next day, she wasn't necessarily upset that he didn't defend her. She was upset, like you said, about how it looked. There she is saying, they're probably all talking about it. And I get that. I understand that paranoia because of what just happened. And he wronged her in the past. And now it's coming out and now she's having to basically fight the battle for something that he did that she helped to conceal. I get it. I just, you know, you know exactly the type of person you marry. He's never been like this. All of a sudden now that his skeleton from 10 years ago comes out, you think his entire personality and the way that he handles situations is going to change? I think she probably felt like because the drama does somewhat involve him and it was such a group discussion and also it escalated to a place where like she needed a little backup. He's her backup there. So I think she felt like she's standing on an island alone and here her husband is standing right there and also not doing anything about it. So it's a tough place to be. (laughs) It's a tough place to be. But also, like, if I'm him, I just think anything he says is going to make him look like a fucking asshole because out of everybody here, I mean, he's in the most wrong, you know? He he probably feels so embarrassed. Like, here they all – he's – by the way (laughs) – he probably feels so embarrassed, but here he is showing up to a party with people that expose the secret. I know everybody knows it and he still shows up. So you got to give him a lot of credit for that. And then on top of it, you're right. What? He's going to get involved and they're going to fire back like, well, you cheated on your wife. You know well, that's like, what I'm saying? What, what leg did he have to stand on there? First of all. And second of all, look at the way that Louis just at the mere thought that people were talking about this video, look at the way that he reacted and kind of wanted to retreat. Bill, knowing that another castmate on the show brought out the secret from 10 years ago, he still shows up. And to me, that just his presence is standing with Jennifer because listen, Bill doesn't need to be there. It's not like he needs the paycheck from the show. He's only there to stand in solidarity with Jennifer. And so in my view, and people may completely, completely disagree. And that's totally totally fine. I I think that it would have been so distasteful for him to get involved. Listen, I'm going to say it and people can hate on me. Bill Aiden, class act. Did he I, did he stick his dick in someone else? Technically? Yes, he did. But I got to be honest, I I understand where Jennifer was coming from completely, but I also think he handled this the best that we could and until you're in his shoes, which seem pretty shitty right now because he worked things out with the person that it matters the most, which is his wife, you can't judge. Right. And I, by that same token, I don't think that I can judge Jennifer. If I was in this particular scenario, even if I typically loved my husband's cool, calm, collected nature, maybe in that moment, I'd want him to kind of rise up because I'm already so freaked out by the insecurity I feel from his infidelity. I can't agree that Jennifer always handles things perfectly. And I know that it felt maybe like Jackie and Margaret were kind of piling on, but I just felt like it was rational behavior versus irrational behavior. And I know that it's an unpopular opinion. I know people listening are going to disagree and that's okay. Well, I would probably say Jennifer never, if if ever, has handled things perfectly and that's okay. I mean, by the way, that's just our perspective of what is perfect. Some people may say every time she nails it. I just think she goes really low, really fast, and it ends up getting her in a lot of trouble. I mean, she is not afraid to pull things out, which again, makes her an incredible housewife. She's super honest and she says probably what a lot of people are thinking. However, her style of fighting is really sloppy and always, without fail, gets her in a fucked up situation. Yeah. Also, I mean, there's so much here, but the next thing that I want to say is I fucking love Dolores. I say this every time. She's one of my favorite housewives ever. I fundamentally disagreed with her with this whole Jackie conversation. I think that Jackie, especially when they played it back and you saw the way that she was saying it, and Jackie genuinely was saying that remark. Yes, it was vulgar in nature. Absolutely. It was in defense of Jennifer saying like, why is she taking the brunt of it when he's the one that did the wrong thing? And the way that Dolores spun that, it was a cheap shot and not one that I would expect her to take. I agree. We said that last week and now I feel the same way even harder. Like Dolores just doesn't like Jackie and felt that Jackie's 
cuddling up to Jennifer just to have her back and just to do the right thing was phony because maybe Dolores couldn't picture herself flipping so quickly on someone like that and changing their mind so quickly. But I think Jackie was fully genuine in doing that. She all of a sudden felt some sort of kindred connection with Jennifer because she had been through sort of something similar and realized that she needed a little bit of help. And she was willing to say, you know what? I probably haven't liked her a lot in the past. I don't agree with everything she does, but in this moment, I can be a shoulder to lean on. And I just think Jackie was genuine in that. And I don't think Dolores was capable of understanding that because it's so far out from anything that she would ever be capable of doing. But that being said, Jackie is very, very quick to flip immediately back to her original feelings of Jen when Jen shows her true colors again. And Jackie says, you know what? I gave you a chance, but this is the true, the real you. And it's not somebody that I'm interested in having such a close relationship with. Well, in addition to what you said about Dolores not being able to put herself in those shoes, and I agree that was part of it, it's also the fact that she's pissed at Jackie for putting in Jennifer's head that Dolores isn't a good friend. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the two I don't think can necessarily be separated. But I don't know. I mean, I didn't view Jackie's behavior here necessarily as flip-flopping because it's not like when she was, quote, on Jennifer's side that she was forgetting about this stuff. She said, I still think she's an asshole. I just feel a sense of camaraderie with her because of – the infidelity rumors, and I know what that feels like. So to me, it's like, even now, I don't think she's saying, I regret ever doing that. I think she's just like, you know what? Everything I thought about her is continually true. Yeah, I guess she wasn't trying to build like some budding relationship with her. She was strictly there when it came to this topic that they could relate on. It wasn't like she was taking her out to lunch and trying to get on another level with her when it concerned anything else. So yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I just think I don't know. I think the whole thing is really messed up. And I also think at the end of the day, Jackie, Melissa, and Margaret are actual really, really close good friends that as soon as Jen really turned on Melissa in that way and was so like cruel to her, and then also they started to get physical, Jackie said, it's not worth me risking my friendship with my best friend, Melissa, to stick by your side when I was just trying to do you a favor. Completely. And I actually want to talk about Melissa for a second because I feel like the overwhelming opinion, at least that I see on social media, whether it's just people are speaking the loudest or this is really the overwhelming thought, is that, you know, there's a lot of anti-Melissa rhetoric, basically. And I typically am a fan of hers. But I think what's unfortunate for both Melissa and Teresa is there's so much hypocrisy. Like, If I'm Melissa, I understand being so frustrated with Teresa because all she preaches is loyalty. And then when push comes to shove, in the moment, she never defends either Melissa or Joe because deep down, I think she likes it. I think she, you know, on some level enjoys when people are coming from Melissa. At the same time, though, Melissa isn't innocent in all of it because she's so quick to talk about Teresa. The second they get in the van, she's happy to air their dirty laundry. Last week, for example, she's reading the text. So I just think that they're both wrong in the way that they handle it. They're both always wrong. This relationship will never be perfect because they are so fundamentally different and also have so much underlying anger and frustration that has built up over the years that I don't think ever could possibly go away. I also think Teresa gets off on other people going after Melissa because it's something that she can't do because she wants to preserve her relationship with her brother. And of course, that would be the demise of their relationship. So when other people get to do it and do her dirty work and call out Melissa on qualities that she also sees in Melissa, I think it makes her kind of happy. And it's just, it's so interesting like to see Teresa stay back with Jennifer and Melissa go in the van. It's such a clear divide when all they ever wanted, or at least what Joe always wanted was to have each other's back no matter what and say family over everything. And that's just not the reality. I know. And I think that what's crazy is that Teresa doesn't acknowledge the hypocrisy in her actions, but neither does Melissa. I don't think either of them ever fully acknowledge the hypocrisy. And what it really comes down to it is that if they weren't family, there would be lines very clearly drawn in the sand. And so they have to kind of buffer that because of the title. It's like the whole thing is crazy. Yeah, the whole thing is crazy. I mean, it's also like the scenarios where what if the tables were turned and this is Teresa? Would she freak out that Melissa and Joe didn't get in the van with them and back them up. I mean, Teresa was texting Melissa, like, you better have my boyfriend's back hours before anything even went down. Like, she was just 
pre-buffering the situation. So I don't know. Their relationship is, again, something that should be studied. But also, you're right. If they were not sister-in-laws, they would never have anything to do with each other. Or they would get along really well because there wouldn't be the pressure there. And there wouldn't be years of pent-up family issues sort of hovering over them like a black cloud. Yeah, it's it's dark. It's dark. Wouldn't you do anything to see like a parallel universe where Melissa and Teresa are just housewives on the same show but have no familial ties? Like how would they get along? Like what would it be like? I actually think they would get along, although I could totally see a counter argument to that being that Teresa wouldn't like Melissa's personality in general because she doesn't find her to be strong enough. Mm-hmm. Like I think Teresa can respect people that really are intense even if she disagrees with their intensity. Yeah, I for sure. Yeah. I don't know. It's just wild. Also, it's not that technically I disagreed with what Tracy was saying, but God, talk about someone that is playing a hand that they don't have. It's like... <laughs> she was really trying to make fetch happen. I, yeah. I feel so bad saying this. It's such a mean thing to say. We may cut it. It's like <laughs> when she was talking, I felt like she was a little gnat, you know? I know. Well, it's just like, it's also not to blame editing, but I also feel like no one really has an understanding of her place in the group because she doesn't become a full-time housewife, but she's also just kind of there and tries to relate. And there's so much footage of her and backstory and probably one-on-one scenes that we don't get to see. So in her defense, like that is super unfair. But I also felt like this girl had a mic pack on and she was going to use it. She was going to use it. And Teresa is just the wrong person you're going to use it to when you're trying to tell her how to resolve things with her family, especially because of her longstanding friendship with Melissa. Maybe if she was a completely neutral party, it would have been a little bit more well-received. But also, by the way, talk about a, a meme that we have to make to promote this episode. is like Tiki Barber was the definition of the record scratch freeze frame. You're probably wondering how I ended up here, meme. <laughs> He's looking around like, how the fuck am I at the Jersey Shore in Jennifer Aiden's backyard with shit flying everywhere? Like I was just playing football a few years ago. Right, like this is the definition of not what I signed up for. But I actually think he was having a lot of fun. Well, it's fun to watch. I mean, are you kidding? We were having fun. Imagine being there. Right. And his wife is not involved at all. So he gets to go home and go to sleep. Exactly. <laughs> wow. Well, that was fun. That was fun. As I always. Just, this is like the prime episode though, where we're going to end it and I'm in an hour going to be like, I don't even know if I agreed with what I said. And then people are going to have opinions and it's like, fuck, I don't even know if I <laughs> agree with oh, what I said. I already know that there's things I said that I... I'm so wrong about in my own mind, but it's okay. You know what? Just We're just flushing out our thoughts. <laughs> Good time to give our weekly disclaimer. We're just two <laughs> friends talking. These are not the word of God. Please, it's so okay if you disagree. We're, we don't even know what we just said. <laughs> and we would love to hear your opinions in a really nice, calm way. And maybe there's things that we didn't see or things that you noticed. I love having those conversations and seeing what you say because that's what makes the Bravo world go round. Yeah. I mean, we just watched this episode an hour ago and now we're recording about it. So right. we haven't even had time to process. Nope. Not a minute. Okay. Well, we love you guys so much. Thank you as always for listening and we'll see you next week. 